Well, here are some of the newest Christmas statistics here. Uh, number of real Christmas trees sold each year, 32 million. 32 million. How many people wait until the last week to shop? Actually, it's the majority of people, uh, 60%. What is the average spent per household each year? It's $1,500. That's $500 for gifts. Most, though, like $1,000 is spent on things like celebrations, food, restaurants, outfits, decorations, entertainment throughout the entire month of December. Uh, what do women want the most? Half gave the same answer, jewelry. Men, half gave the same answer. They want gift cards. Here's an interesting thing too. The percent of men who get nothing for Christmas, uh, 24%. So what do husbands and wives spend on each other? It's an average of $125. So we're well into this uh, Advent season and Christmas, a special time. And so we're continuing to look at a very special book during this season. And that is the book Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Again, he wrote it 1678. He was in jail for preaching the gospel. He'd be there for, for 12 years. Start here by a quote from Donald Spence, who shares this. For nearly three centuries, the name of Jesus of Nazareth and his followers was a name of shame, hated, despised. Not only among the Roman idolaters was the name spoken against with intense bitterness but also among the rabbinical schools which flourished in the early days of Christianity, where Jesus was known as the deceiver, or that man, or the crucified. We're going to see what uh, happens here in Luke, you know, the context of what Bunyan wrote. you got to remember, he wrote this, especially for his children and his wife, that they would know true faith. And many people reject that message of Christ. And so you go to the first part of Luke, chapter 2, verse 34. Here's Jesus as a baby, and we're told, Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary. Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel. So when John Bunyan's writing Pilgrim's Progress, again, he has all these characters. They are real people that he knew. They are also universal archetypes. The idea here in this story is that we find ourselves in these characters. If we are the wrong character, we see which ones are the right character and the changes that need to be made. And again, there is the rising for many. There's the fall for many in Christ. But let's take a look now. The next part is a key moment here in Pilgrim's Progress where Christian, the main character, is going to come across the man in the iron cage. We're told this, again, Christian's on a journey. He wants to know how to remove this pack from his back. It's this heavy pack, and it represents carrying burden and sin and on this journey he meets different people and now we're at this point where we're told Christian was led to a very dark room there sat a man in an iron cage he said I am what I was not once Christian said what was thou once the man said I was once a flourishing professor I am now a man of despair but how said Christian the man in the iron cage said I sinned against the light of the world for the lust, pleasures, and profits of this world. You know, incredible moment here in this picture. Uh, again, the idea for a Christian on this journey to find freedom 
And now he's going to come across this man who's in this iron cage, this man in despair. And as the man says, you know, I once had it all. What's that saying again? How much is enough? Well, just a little bit more. And so this man is evidence of that. He said, I once was this well-known professor, and now I'm in this iron cage. So many people in an iron cage of their own making, a cage from maybe their sin or their fear, their selfishness, their you know just brokenness, whatever it is. And here's this man in the cage, and he says, how did you get here? And again, he says, because of sin, or I compromised the truth. Charles Ellicott shares this about the importance of Simeon encountering Jesus and Mary and Joseph, when he writes, Christ is seen by Simeon as the stone on which some fall and are bruised, while others plant their feet upon it and rise to a higher life. And so the man in the cage, he's been broken, not believing that gospel message. And Christian is one of those people, his feet are planted on the rock, and he knows now in Christ he's been risen to a higher life, and that's the journey that, that he's on. I love this here from John Avanzini, a great statement where he shares, as soon as you put your foot down in the name of Jesus, the devil cannot continue with his plan. So I want to give you some examples of that and what it is to walk in that faith, that faith where Christ has come to help rise us up from where we were so we're no longer like that man in the iron cage Consider Emile Coup, this gentleman here in the 1800s in France. He was a pharmacist. He recognized when he would talk to certain people, picking up their prescriptions, and he would say, you know what, you're going to get better. You're going to overcome this illness. You're going to feel great. Those people, they got better. The ones he didn't talk to that picked up their prescriptions, they didn't get better. And he was confused. They had the same prescriptions and one group got better because he encouraged them that they would. The other did not get better. Nobody encouraged them. And he realized there's something else going on here from the standpoint of faith and belief. And he's going to go into deep study to try to come up with something so that people can help themselves. I'll give you that here in just a moment. Henrik Meyer back in the 1800s says, according to defined decree, many must take offense at Jesus and fall through unbelief. Many others must arise through faith to true spiritual life. That was what Bunyan wanted for his family, true spiritual life. And listen to what he wrote a different time here. Remember, he is in prison 12 years. He gets released. He writes more. Here's something he wrote about a conversation in one of his books where Satan speaks. And listen to the words here. The serpent said, you may be burning hot at present moment, yet if I can pull you away from this fire, I shall have you cold before long. I will cool you by degree, little by little. Listen to this last line. What care I? If I be seven years in chilling your heart. Bunyan understood well that this is a real battle to walk in faith. There's a real enemy that tries to destroy that faith. And little by little, he will try to chip away at that faith through doubt, through fear, through sin. And as he says, what care I? It takes a week, it takes a month, it takes a year. If it takes seven years. 
Again, that's what Bunyan was trying to share with his family, with the world. Don't be like this man in the iron cage. Every picture that you see of Pilgrim's Progress, where they draw Christian on the cover here, no matter who does it, what country, the same picture, just different artists, different depictions, but Christian is always pictured here, like you see with his pack on his back. He's carrying this heavy pack. He wants to know, how do I put down this burden? Again, the pack is his sin. It's his burdens in life. And what does Simeon says? He blessed them and said to Mary, this child is destined to cause the fall and the rise of many. The way to put down the pack here is what Christian is about to find out in, in the story. Joseph Benson, 1749, shared, This means ruin upon some through their rejecting him, as well as procuring salvation to others as they believe on him. Notice the words of Simeon in the commentary from Cambridge Commentary, where they shared this, For the fall of many Pharisees, Herodians, Sadducees, Nazarenes, Gadarenes, and the rising of those that believe. This is the beautiful part. In some cases, as of Peter, of the dying robber, they who fell afterwards rose. That's the picture. Grace, grace greater than all our sin. That's why we sing in this time of year. You know, what child is this? Simeon says, this child the Savior. Many will fall, but many will rise. You know, Charles Capps written a lot of books about prayer, wonderful, wonderful things he shared, but I love this. He says, faith talks. Faith talks. When faith talks, it talks faith, not fear and unbelief. Part of our, our life and being the ones that have been raised up is we have a faith talk. And if you've been not having that faith talk, I'll give you a great thing you can start to do this very day. It's been practiced for decades. I do it. It's been well known what Emil Koo, that pharmacist, did. He started to say, how do you have faith talk? When he encouraged people to get better, they got better. The others he didn't talk to, they didn't get better. So he went on a search to understand man's thinking, psychology, understanding what it is to have belief, to have faith. And he came up with a statement. And that statement now has been used for decades. And he simply said, do this 20 times in the morning, do this 20 times at night and see if your life doesn't change. And he taught this around the world to tens of thousands upon tens of thousands of people who all testified it brought me out of depression it brought me out of feeling suicidal it restored my joy it gave me happiness it's an old one but it still exists because it works because why because faith talks so here's a great one to to share and do this on a, a regular basis again he recommends 20 times in the morning 20 times at night every day. Do it for 10 days and see if your life isn't different. What is the simple phrase that Emil Koo came up with to say out loud? Every day and every way, I am getting better and better. He said you can mix it up and say every day in every way, I'm getting happier and happier. Every day in every way, I'm getting healthier and healthier. 
Faith speaks. It speaks a different language. It speaks a different language than fear. Pilgrim, Christian, is about to come to the answer he's been seeking. In this story, we're told the next thing he comes to a hillside. Listen to this description here by Bunyan, his description of the gospel and the grace of God, this child, this Messiah who causes the rising of many. Christian ran to a place where stood a cross. Just as he came to the cross, his burden was loosed off his shoulders, fell to the ground, and he said with a merry heart, he hath given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. Then three shining ones, or angels, came and said, Peace be to thee, thy sins be forgiven. They stripped him of his rags, clothed him with a change of raiment, and set a mark on his forehead. And then Christian gave three leaps for joy and went on singing. This is his moment of conversion. He comes to the cross. Finally, that back packet falls to the ground. He gets new raiments. And notice they put a mark on his forehead. If you've been with us in the past, you might remember this important moment here in every believer's life. This comes out of the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is the one who talks about the mark on the forehead. What does the mark on the forehead mean? Well, the forehead is the place of authority and loyalty, our thinking, our commitment. But here's the thing. Mark... That is the Hebrew letter Tav. So Tav means mark. And in the book of Ezekiel, just as here in Pilgrim's Progress, that mark is placed on the forehead of those who believe. That Tav is placed on the forehead. Why is that interesting? Why is that so radically important? Well, that Hebrew letter, the Tav, which means mark, if you look at it here, in modern Hebrew, it looks kind of like the letter N doesn't mean much but that's not the Hebrew of the Bible here's what a Tav that Hebrew letter looked like in Hebrew in the Old Testament and as you can see it's simply a cross all the way back Ezekiel said put a mark a Tav a cross on the forehead of those who believe and what happens to Christian in Pilgrim's Progress The burden falls off. He gets a new garment. He gets a mark, a tav, a cross on his forehead to show he is now marked for his maker. Same thing happens to you and me, that child that causes the rising of many. You know, John Avanzini said it like this. We must boldly begin to take hold of the power God has given us. It is time to stop confessing the devil's dominance over us and to start telling him to back off. We must, here's the key, put him on notice. His past victories over us are going to cost him dearly. What a great statement. Begin to put the devil on notice. His past victories in your life. They're going to cost him dearly because this Advent season, this time of renewal, expectation, anticipation, you and I make that commitment to walk firmly in Christ, to stay on that straight and narrow, not be the iron man in the cage getting caught up in the worldliness, not getting caught up in the fear, but beginning to speak faith. You and I 
have nothing to fear because we know the promise greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. To know that God has given you the power, the authority to take back everything the devil has taken from you. So maybe your relationship is not where it needs to be. You can begin to say, you know what, it's hopeless. Or you can get up in the morning and say every day in every way, I'm getting stronger and stronger. You can begin to get up and watch the news and the negativity and the fears and the doubts and get caught up in that. Or you can say every day in every way, I'm getting better and better. Notice next. Christian meets two more people right after his conversion. Their name is coward and mistrust. Coward, self-evident, and mistrust, one who doesn't trust the gospel. But notice the context here. It says this, Christian passed two men running towards him. Remember, Christian knows which way Zion is. It's been pointed out he's headed that direction, and these two men are running towards him the wrong way and what does christian say sirs what's the matter you run the wrong way what a great statement again for us to stop and say here's bunyan writing from jail what can i say to people out there what can i say to my kids my family and he has these characters and they're going the wrong way how many people are going the wrong way? And Advent is that moment, that time to stop and say, I'm going to turn and keep my eyes on the author and finisher of my faith and head right where he leads. Sirs, what's the matter? You run the wrong way. Coward answered, we were going to Zion, but the further we got, the more danger just before us lie a couple of lions. So coward and mistrust ran down the hill. Christian was left in great distress. You'll notice again what they feared. Many dangers. And there's two lions. We're leaving. And again, maybe that's where you find yourself. There was a time maybe you had a more courage, more commitment more passion and something set that back. Maybe a betrayal, a brokenness, a hurt, a lost moment, a prayer that was not answered. Now you're going the wrong way. And what Advent is, is a chance to say, listen, I am not that man in the iron cage. I am the one. The burden fell off. I was given new garments and a cross was drawn on my forehead. And I've been marked for my maker who causes me to rise. You know, Robert Anthony said it. It is done unto you as you believe, not as you want. Believing is seen. It's done unto you as you believe, not as you want. Believing is seen, you know, mistrust, didn't believe anything. For those who see and believe and believe and see, they understand that faith has a language. And it's a language that's firmly rooted in this one who causes us to rise. It's time to put the devil on notice that his past victories over us are going to cost him dearly.
Here's another confession to, to make. Every day, in every way, I'm getting stronger and stronger. Charles Cap says this daily, boldly confess this. Tremendous power comes forth through my prayer. Working change in all areas of my life and those around me. You know, what a great way to walk in faith rather than saying, you know, what can I do? If your marriage is broken, begin to get up and say, the devil, I'm taking back. And it's going to cost you dearly what you did. I'm taking everything back that you've stolen. And every day to begin to say, tremendous power comes forth through my prayers. Working change in all areas of my life and those around me. Faith, it has a language, a language that says, indeed this child is destined to cause the rise and the fall of many. Consider Anna Mendez, a former witch, a voodoo priestess. She would share in her testimony about a very violent past, very corrupt past, involved in deep occult practices, but it left her mentally broken. She had a nervous breakdown. This type of sin, this type of darkness, it left her in a mental hospital, suicidal, depressed. One day somebody shared the gospel with her. Her right mind was restored. She became a a preacher in that mental hospital. She's been a preacher since. And she shares some great advice. I'll share that as we close. What happened to the lions? We're told next, Christian lifted up his eyes and there before him was a palace. He entered a narrow, narrow passageway and looked before him and saw two lions in his way. Then he was afraid and thought to go back. But there at this palace was a gatekeeper. That gatekeeper, a wise, holy one. Here's some great words as we close. The gatekeeper said to him, Is thy strength so small? Fear not the lions, for they are chained. What a great statement. Is thy strength so small? Fear not the lions, they are chained. That's the promise, that's the hope we have in Christ, that we walk in that victory over everything the enemy throws our way, that we fear not because the enemy is chained. Brings us back to Anna Mendez who said this, when you know God is with you, you stand in front of the oppressor, the torturer of your city, the evil one that causes anguish to your family, And you say with total certainty, Satan, as the Lord Almighty, before whom I stand lives, in the name of Jesus, come out. Faith speaks a language. You can speak fear or you can get up and say over your married, Satan, as the Lord Almighty, before whom I stand lives, in the name of Jesus, come out. Over your city, your job, your brokenness, Satan, as the Lord Almighty, lives, before whom I stand, in the name of Jesus, come out. Because that's what happens when we know the one who causes the rising of many, who takes off the burden, gives us a new garment, puts his mark on our forehead. Then Christian ran to a place where stood a cross. Just as he came to the cross, his burden was loose from his shoulders and fell off his back. He said with a merry heart, he hath given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. Then Christian gave three leaps for joy. And went away singing. 
Amen.